Welcome to Globally Speaking, your program that explores everything and anything to do with language localization. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting global brands today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who's engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Renato and Michael. Hi, this is Renato Beninato. And this is Michael Stevens. Welcome to Globally Speaking. And today we're going to talk about an old topic that is a favorite in our industry. How did we call this program? I refer to it as crowdsource confusion. Yeah, everybody loves to talk about crowdsourcing. The other day, I received a call from a recruiter asking me if I knew anybody, an executive or somebody that could work for one of uh, her clients. But one of the requirements that they wanted somebody that had experience with crowdsourcing because crowdsourcing is the way of the future in the language business. I literally laughed because it's one of those things that it, it's like teenage sex. Everybody talks about it. Nobody's doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mean you didn't laugh with joy because you felt like they finally cracked the code as to where we're going? <laughs> this happens so often. It, it, it's not even funny anymore. The, the whole th- story about crowdsourcing in the localization industry started in 2007 at uh, Lockworld in Seattle, they were called Localization World then. They hadn't changed their name yet. But there was this uh, keynote speaker, Jeff Howe. He had uh, written an article in Wired Magazine in 2006 who set this whole movement of the idea of crowdsourcing that was actually based on an earlier book called The Wisdom of the Crowds, which is a fantastic book. I strongly recommend that you read if you haven't read it. And he, he starts with, isn't it the jelly jar principle? Absolutely, That's yes. where, where the... They had a county fair, and the idea is everybody guesses how It wasn't many... actually a jelly jar. It was a, a, bull. a bull. And they had to guess the, the weight same, of the bull. Same concept, yes. but you're guessing the weight of the bull, and you know, the person who gets the closest wins a prize. You know, the, the, I don't know, what do they call them? Colorado oysters? <laughs> they, they win some kind of surprise. Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain oysters. oysters, that's it. So they guess the weight of the bull, and... While the guesses that are the furthest off are way, way off, when you take a certain statistical percentage... Yeah, the average. The average, but you have to have a statistically relevant group who guess, it actually comes out pretty close to what the bull's actual weight is. Yes, so the whole idea of the wisdom of the crowds is that all of us know more than any one of us individually. So what this guy did in the 1800s was he, and I keep thinking, he had thousands of tickets with guesses for the bull's weight, and he averaged them out, and he found out that the average number of all the guesses was within very few pounds of the actual weight of the bull. So this whole idea of the crowd knows best, and that if you bring enough people together to find oil fields to find cancer in certain images. It didn't work with the Malaysian Air airplane. They tried to use crowdsourcing to find the location of the airplane. It didn't work in that case. But anyway, this was brought into the language industry after this presentation at Localization World. And 
another element of confusion, and that has had a lot of interesting repercussions in, in the language business, is that crowdsourced work is done by non-experts. So when you want to find oil, you don't need to have seismic engineers and petroleum experts to find uh, new fields of oil. You can have a mixture of plumbers and GI specialists, yeah. people who understand fluids, to go to that. But we, when it gets applied to the localization space and the translation space, all you need is somebody that has some knowledge of the target language that you want to work with. They don't need to be expert and professional translators because it's supposed to be done in a spare time with small, you, you mentioned the hits, the, the human Initiate, initiated it, tasks, yeah. this very simple task. So you're going to translate three words, five words, and so on. So there was a big controversy I think around 2009, 2010 with LinkedIn. I was thinking of the same thing. Like that lesson had to be learned the hard way that you don't necessarily, you're not asking professionals to do stuff for yes. free. And LinkedIn posted uh, in their platform that they were looking for people to translate LinkedIn strings for free in exchange of, uh, they actually was a survey. Would you like to translate for us and get a badge on your profile and get a free subscription to our services or something like that? So you give us some of your language skills and we give you some of our freemium services. And there was this backlash. It ended up with a letter to Time Magazine and, yeah. and people really getting very angry, translators getting very angry because how could LinkedIn, a company that has so much money, try to get translations for free? Yeah, and I still get a little confused by the outrage that was there because I think the line for LinkedIn benefiting for profit from free activity of professionals is much clearer. Yet, Facebook does a significant amount of volunteer crowdsourcing as well. And they're professionals and non-professionals working in that area, right? I like, translated for Facebook. At right, one point, I did pirate. I translated pirate as well. So uh, I I'm translated a, into uh, Brazilian Portuguese right in the beginning. I wanted to see how the platform worked. And it's fascinating. But the thing about crowdsourcing is that it's not a reliable and something that you can predict and manage. So if you have a deadline and you have a task that needs to be completed by a certain deadline, a certain volume of work that needs to be done by a certain date or any milestone that you have, there is no guarantee yeah. that the crowd is going to show up. And one of the things that I found out with Hassan Haddad, who was the original creator of this platform for Facebook, was that people translate strings with three to five words really, really fast. The moment you start putting sentences and, and more structured content, it becomes a little complicated. There are variables in, involved. People just skip them and they go to the next. So if you want to translate legal content, for example, that every website has disclaimers and terms and conditions and things like that, People will avoid doing that because it requires more professional skill than just translating strings and simple sentences that are done on a day-to-day -day basis. So timing is a big piece in reliability of when you're getting things done. In your opinion, Renato, why did LinkedIn call such an outroar and yet Facebook is rarely criticized for their volunteer 
crowdsourcing? I think it had to do with timing and also with... LinkedIn was early. Yes. They were early on it. Yeah, they were early. Uh, So was Facebook, but the way that people engage with it. So uh, LinkedIn is more of a professional environment and they targeted... Professionals. Professional. They targeted translators to offer their service for free. Facebook, if you log in in another language, they're asking if you want to do it, whether you're a professional linguist, whether you're a bilingual, whether you you can have no training and nothing. And it's it fits much more of what you said. It's the wisdom of the crowd. You're not trying to get something for free. And here's the beauty of automation and crowdsourcing. Right, So Facebook doesn't pay their volunteers to translate, but they have a platform where people can go, anybody can go. You can go there today and select your language and volunteer to start translating for them. And they're going to give you, there's a like a leaderboard. You can have your picture show up in the leaderboard. It's really cool. But what they do is that they don't spend any time reviewing or doing quality control. What happens is that you translate that content you save, and then they ask other people in the community to review that content. So let's say if five people review the content and approve it, they, they put a like button on it. If there are 10, or I don't know what is the algorithm, how many people are required to approve it, if the majority says, yes, it's good, and one person says, no, it's bad, they assume that it's good and they take it forward. Yeah. They are only going to have a control process when... Half of the people say it's good and half of the people say it's bad. So they're going to send it to a professional linguist and say, please referee this this dispute and find what is the best solution. So you manage, which is the beauty of management today in the language business. What you want to do is not manage the whole process, is managed by exception. You, you mm-hmm. look at the things that don't meet the, the norm. Yeah, and so the costs differ when it comes to crowdsourcing, you you may be getting a volunteer group to do the work and you're lucky if you're a company you can do that. Or you may be paying less for each task than you would if you're paying a professional company. But you have to build in some automations. Otherwise, you're going to be spending all your time weeding out cheaters, trying to find people who are just putting garbage in just to get paid. Like You really waste time. So you're going to spend some money and make some investment in the automation to clean well, it up. That's the other myth is that crowdsourcing is free. It's not? It's not? <laughs> it's not, Michael. Oh. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. But crowdsourcing requires management on your side. It requires a technical infrastructure. It requires technology. It requires a subscription to Amazon Turkers. It requires, a, I don't know, Lingotech is a company that has a technology platform for crowdsourcing. Several vendors, Lionbridge, we localize, have uh, crowdsourcing solutions. But this is not a service that is profitable for the language service providers. It's just a service that is provided to the client as part of the service stack that you provide. So you will provide very professional transcreation services. You will provide traditional translation language services. And if the client wants crowdsourcing, you'll provide crowdsourcing. If they want you to wash their feet every Thursday. <laughs> you do it. You're a service you do, you, It's a service company. You will do that too. Yeah. One of the people who I've read some of his articles, he teaches at University of Pennsylvania and it's Chris Callison Birch. Chris lays out some of how the algorithms work. If you have, you know, two people do it and you have A and B, you're out to try to find one that matches A. And until you get that point, you can't eliminate 
whether the crowd has said it is good or not and verified it. He goes into detail as to how those mechanics play out in crowdsourcing. He has a lot of good articles. He's worth checking out, and we'll give some links to yeah, we should his, his provide the information. links in the website. If you had to crowdsource one thing in your life, Renato, what would you do? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I would want to crowdsource. I've had situations, professional situations, where I had tasks that were repetitive and annoying enough that I didn't want to do. And I seriously thought of using crowdsourcing, something like verifying email addresses or verifying web links and see if they're working or not working and, and, and things like that. But I either gave up the idea uh, because it wasn't <laughs> worth too it. Too much work. Yeah. <laughs> or or it wasn't that much work. It was like uh, hundreds of things instead of thousands. And we ended up doing it internally, manually. But the thing about, I think that to wrap this, crowdsourcing is just one more tool in your toolbox. It's something that might be useful. I think that the value of crowdsourcing is more in the... If you have a community of users and you want to engage that community with your product so that they feel that they are involved and they belong in the creation of the product, and I think that Facebook has that element, it's a way for them to engage with their users and and Mm -hmm. make their product better. After all, the the biggest expert in Facebook is whoever uses Facebook. It's not somebody else. I know that we had a funny situation at our company where we had a project manager working for a messaging app and he was the project manager for that app, but he didn't have the app on his phone. (laughs) So he couldn't do a good job, right? So we replaced him for somebody that used the app actively. So one of the key takeaways, I think, from the concept of crowdsourcing is that as a standalone solution for the language business, it's outdated. It doesn't create any additional value. It is good for certain localization-related tasks, but not necessarily to some language-related tasks. So search relevance, testing, map, identification of certain features in global maps, uh, namings yeah. in, in different languages. So these are localization-related tasks, but they are not necessarily language-related tasks. So crowdsourcing, yes. Crowdsourcing in translation, no. I liked what you said about the it's like teenage sex because it's rapid and it's messy. People are cheating everywhere, all over it. (laughs) Nobody Um, knows how to do it well. Yeah, no one knows how to do it well. And so you need to invest time in making sure your automation backbone is going to clean up some of that stuff for you. Because if you're doing manual work in that area, it's not going to be worth the time and effort. There are also, I think, some big questions out there. And I mentioned Chris before, he's doing research on is crowdsourcing nothing more than a virtual sweatshop? So... Is this just something that people can use to supplement their income and do while they're watching TV? Great. But are there people out there trying to earn a living and are they getting a fair wage while they're doing it? I think that's a real question that crowdsourcing has globally. You can have a hypothesis, test it quickly on a bunch of people, and then figure out if you want to move forward with doing it. So I think... Let's crowdsource that question. Let's crowdsource that question. (laughs) So, Michael, it was great talking to you again. Let's uh, see what we're going to talk about next time. Awesome. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Burns360. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Thank you.
you for listening to Globally Speaking, brought to you by Moravia. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So until next time, please visit online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.